Welcome to Memphis Machine, a Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass. And I'm Carl Casperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. Welcome to season two of Memphis Machine. Hey, right out of the gate, we got to sit down with Joyce Cobb. Uh, Memphis, Memphis royalty. Memphis music royalty, for sure. Um, Joyce has a legacy of work behind her. She's got many gigs in front of her. She's a cancer survivor. She loves Sting. <laughs> she's <laughs> she, she's a musical ninja. She's uh, And we, we got to meet her on the campus of... Rhodes. Rhodes. Beautiful campus, by the way. And, Talk and, about bacon and swing. It's bacon and swing. And, 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 how and you will hear right out of the gate... I'm just I like that out of the gate you're gonna hear right off from the top that she is uh, uninhibited and um, comes out swinging <laughs> yeah she is extremely frank and catches uh, us a little off guard I'd have to say yeah we just pretty much hit record and, and, and went along on the ride on this one this it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun here's Joyce watch your s's here <laughs> watch your s's <laughs> Welcome to Memphis Machine. We are on. We, 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 we're all plugged in. All I've, the levels, I've right? Got, I've got some coffee and a bagel. Uh, ah. Thank you, Jonathan. And, and a, a lovely and beautiful guest today, Joyce Cobb, is joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's such an honor and a privilege to be part of the circle of 2018 hip <laughs> you, you, are, you are hip my goodness thank you i'm trying thank to keep you. up man oh, it's, it, it, it's getting hard though i tell you <laughs> um we we were talking before we started the uh the hard disk spinning here on this laptop um and i, I wish we had covered a lot uh recorded that but um it seems like we always start with a little bit of biography which, yes. um, you know, but you do that very well. There's some great videos of you um, uh, up on YouTube talking about your history. And um, we were talking about that a little bit, uh, you know, the, the connection of your family to St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, your history here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, Nashville. Um, Nashville, yeah, all of it. So, yeah. so where, when, you think of your, when you think of your coming up, where does your mind go to now? It goes to Oak Maugie at the be- beginning. You know, my... I was very fortunate to be born in a family that really encouraged education. Mm. Uh, my grandmother was one of the first students at Jubilee. Uh, Jubilee Hall was the only building at Fisk University. She pretty much left my mom with the grandparents so that she could get a teacher's certificate. It was important to survive at that in, in those years, which was what, nineteen forties. Yeah. I was born in forty five. I'm seventy three at this time. But my grand uh, grandmother was a uh, a uh, music teacher and she taught Indians, uh, which meant that, you know, they had certain periods to be in school, then they had to be out of school to work the fields. And this was in Ogmaugie, Oklahoma. But she was a piano teacher, and she also played in her church, Methodist uh, Episcopal. Uh, and so that was my intro to music. Uh, one, and they, they used to throw me to my grandma in the summers, and it was really nice, <laughs> you know, because I learned how to fish, learned how to oh. shoot shoot uh, BBs with my granddad and um, taught me how to fish and, and 
uh, fun in neighborhood, kids, and summertime in Okmulgee, and that that was my beginnings. Very happy childhood, um, and uh, the first time I performed in uh, in front of people was in my grandmother's church. Did the song called The Sun Belongs to Everyone, The Best Things in Life Are Free. And I was maybe, what, maybe four. Yeah. And I got this applause from the church. And that's when I became addicted to cause and effect, you know. (laughs) (laughs) If I sing, they love me. If I don't, they don't even know me, you know. So um, that was the reality. Of, uh, of falling in love with music and listening to my grandma. And she had sheet music. Remember back in the day, they had sheet music like nickel. For a nickel, you could get sheet music. I still have her sheet music. Oh, my uh, goodness. I kept them, you know. Uh, so that was the beginning. Okmulgee, yeah. Oklahoma, 1945, I was born. Uh, my dad was in the uh, military. Uh, he was uh, not present at my birth, but uh, after the war, he came back, and uh, um, he wanted to pursue his education. Yeah. So um, he immediately got into Ohio State University. We were the first African Americans to live on campus. That was quite a challenge, but I'm thinking it paid off. I kind of ran the neighborhood with the kids. My best friend was Bobby Burkhaller. And he was a white boy, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah. We ran the, the neighborhood. And and um, I don't know if I could say this, but sure, you can. You can um, it was it was so free and innocent. Uh, we, would, we would be playing, and my dad would be coming home, and, and, and the kids would say, Joyce, there's your old nigger daddy. I said, hey, nigger daddy. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I re- these are things I remember. So my dad said, well, you come on in the house, honey. We got to talk. I got to <laughs> tell you about, about that word and all that. So, you know, it was pretty innocent childhood, very surrounded by, um, I, he, after Ohio State, he went to Florida A&M. Uh, from Florida A&M, he settled at Tennessee State University for about 20 years and uh that's when I fell in love with Nashville mm. and its music. Uh, grew up with uh, the Jubilee Singers at Fisk University. Um, uh, it was always uh, spiritual and classical combinations. And I also grew up w- with uh, Randy, WLAC, Randy uh, Boss. Uh, I can't think of his name, but WLAC was known to play R&B. Mm-hmm. That's when I fell in love with Hank Ballard and the Midnighters and Bats Domino. And they constantly played that on WLAC, uh, Nashville. And it had, you know, it went all nationwide, like WSM, uh, the Grand Ole Opry. Then you had WLAC, WLAC, which was, you know, all over the uh, the country. I must say also that my grandmother used to play constantly WSM, the Grand Ole Opry, and I mm-hmm. think that's when I fell in love with country music, mm-hmm. hearing it as a child. But in uh, we settled in Nashville for uh, for uh, 19 years or so, and uh, that's when the music really started kicking in with uh, taking piano lessons and uh, just falling in love with uh, Dolly Parton and then falling in love with 
with uh, Bobby Jones and, you know, all mm-hmm. of the uh, greats that came out of Nashville at the time, a combination of, uh, of uh, markets, a white market, black market. And uh, I just kind of came to Memphis with that integrated concept of mm. uh, I do country, I do rock, I do jazz. Jazz is my passion because my parents played it quite a bit. And my daddy came out of Jefferson City, Missouri. Uh, I'm thinking I have these visions of him sneaking over to Kansas City when he was like <laughs> in high school or something, you know. And um, it really falling in love with the bebop era. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he used to be a member of the Columbia uh, Record uh, com- uh, Club. Or Club. Right. Yeah. yeah, and they would send, you know, six albums a month, you know. He, that, that was his. Uh, and my mom used to, you know, cook and do housework on Billie Holiday. And so they, they kind of exposed me to that. So I'm I'm just kind of a product of all the mixtures of American music, pretty much. The the least is the classical, mm. and the gospel. Um, but but as far as jazz and rock and roll, I grew up on Elvis. I had all his C, all his forty uh, fives at that time. I didn't I didn't even, didn't even matter what color he was. You know, right. he was just uh, had those sexy lips and. <laughs> <laughs> And he could, he could, he had soul, you know, he had mm. gospel roots, and I could feel it, and I could, so uh, I didn't even know what he looked like, I just had his records, um, and uh, I grew, grew up with a family that accepted all music, that, and they, their philosophy is be whatever you want to be, just be good, and be your best, mm-hmm. and uh, so we didn't have the pressure, the only pressure we had is to finish Get your BA at least. And yeah. Will, if you want to go from there, okay. But now speaking of that, that that wasn't in music, right? That was in uh, so social work. Well, that you know, I, I kind of blame my yeah. I I kind of blame my uh, high school counselor for that. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was I was telling you about it. I you know my my one of my coulda woulda shoulda uh, moments in life is that I should have stayed. With music, uh, I was taking piano lessons in Nashville consistently, mm-hmm. and I was getting getting pretty pretty far in it. And I should have continued that in college and majored in music. Uh, my piano teacher suggested to my parents uh, that she should uh, uh, pursue uh, uh, the piano. But uh, then my high school counselor said, oh, you did so good on the ACT, and it leans towards the social, uh, what is it called, the, the social services, uh, or uh, social, ser- work. social work, or mm-hmm. social, sociology, mm-hmm. and I, of course, I believed my high school counselor you know, sure. over my piano teacher. <laughs> so did you work in that field at all? I worked, yeah. I went to uh, t- uh, Central uh, State University, Wilberforce, Ohio. At that time, they had only seven colleges that where you could get actually a social welf- welfare degree. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought maybe I would want to be a social uh, worker. And, uh, of course, when you're want to be a social worker, you, you need to pursue your MSW, your master's. So I had about 19 uh, hours at Wright State in Ohio uh, pursuing my master's of social work. Hmm. But I, I didn't, I wasn't really, it's never it, just, it just didn't, 
a lot of paperwork, a lot of uh, hopes for programs in in the community that that don't pan out. And then, you know, it's just a lot of redirections and confusions. And I was trying to advise uh, uh, people that had more sense than me, you know, uh, street street sense, you know, and I'm running circles around me, you know, I just, I, I, um, but I had the passion for uh, human rights. I had the passion for human needs. I, I understand the systems and I'm still active with the pipeline and, uh, going to uh, all the problems that we have uh, with the penal systems, and you know, mm. I'm I'm still a social worker. And BB King told me that one day. Uh, I've only met him once I, at Bill's Twilight on North Parkway in Memphis. He came through. That was back in the days when Kirk Whelan was playing, and along with Jim Spake, and you know, it was really oh, the yeah. jazz scene of. The, uh, the sort of kind of the end of the jazz club, you know, jam uh, kind of thing. It was Bill's Twilight on North Parkway. And he walked in. He says, yeah, you're, you're a people person. And I never could figure out what he meant, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm into the human, you know, and mm. the, the person and the needs and the need to be embraced, the need to be heard, you know, and and uh, I think that that works with music quite well. Uh, for me, it has. But uh, I give tribute to parents, and even with the uh, the um, confusion and the and the rage that our young African American kids have in schools. Uh, and the public school system is what we were basically focused on uh, on the panel at the Hattie Lou the other day. Um, if you don't have parents that are in tune to your your uh, your studies and your homework, your, the relationship with your teachers, the rage that what is causing your rage from home, mm-hmm. and you bring it into the system, you have three strikes and you're out. Uh, it's a problem, and uh, so I'm a social worker. I mean, I also with music, and, and I think it fits quite well. We won't get into that discussion of uh, the penal system, but um, uh, I'm aware of, of human needs and and uh, their need to be held you know, after a song, you know, mm-hmm. to be listened to. You know, don't even t- talk about me. We'll talk about you. You know, yeah. so I'm uh, social worker in music. I think is still part of my um, my uh, genetics. Uh, my teachers. My mom was a teacher. She started a dance program. Um, they were both in physical education um, and health, and um, she went to public school uh, in Nashville and started dance and of course it was unheard of with guys dancing on now you see it everywhere in the videos but back in back in the 50s it was like embarrassing for a a male student to get on stage and dance and the audiences would laugh at them you know the kids would laugh and uh, but she was always enforcing dance for males and females and i'm quite proud of her because when they moved to uh, mankato uh, from Nashville, uh, she started a dance company, um, 
and it became where you can now get your master's in dance at Mankato State. It's now mm-hmm. called Mankato. It's called the University of Minnesota Mankato. Uh, Mankato. Mm-hmm. So it's an educational thing that that I'm very fortunate and blessed to have um, have come out of, right. and uh, and uh, and it's a blessing because it really helps, you know, it, to survive out here. Uh, we weren't wealthy, we weren't rich, you know. We they were dedicated teachers that I came from. Uh, sometimes my mom would come and talk about students at the, at the dinner table, and I'm, I used to think, oh, she loves them more than me. She talks about her students more than she... <laughs> but, yeah, they were dedicated, loving teachers, and um, that's, that's my DNA. That's amazing. I mean, so reflecting on um, growing up in this environment that um, promoted human flourishing... <laughs> Yeah. Human dignity. Yeah, I mean, it. that's and so. Uh, uh, so reflect on that. And how how does that inform your art? Well, we we talked about it here in this formula. Yeah, you have two ends. You have the art, and then you have the fashion. Uh-huh. And I never, I never seemingly was hungry enough to want that fashion side you know the look and the hits and the and the travel and the road and and the business and the attorneys and the <laughs> the producers and the promoters and i it was nothing that i really wanted to pursue i was sort of like a basic person you know to do the best in your music uh, that you have and to give. I think I think music is a is a gift from God. It's like a nectar. Um, everyone doesn't have it. You, mm-hmm. you know, right. you don't. The art of music. Uh, it makes people happy. It makes people sad. It makes people remember. I work with the creative aging here in Memphis, and um, I see how music makes a difference with Alzheimer and and with uh, people that can't move their bodies. Mm. They're in wheelchairs, and you sing a song and you see a movement of their foot. And uh, so I, I consider it a gift from God, and I I treat it as is. By being basic and and just it's not it's not about money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can maintain uh, your music to you know to survive, pay your bills, maintain your home, a roof, food on the table, uh, that's enough. I I just don't. I've never been attracted to the glitter of of uh, of the business or the business. The business is what I know least of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you should ask for more money. I said, well, uh, yeah, um, somebody else needs to do that for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, if I'm saying I'm worth $5,000 for one night and they say, are you kidding? Then my feelings get hurt, you oh. know? So somebody else needs to, you know, at least make, you know, $5 for me, you right. know? and uh, But, you know, it's... Money and music never made sense to me. I just it's just the giving of yourself uh, with your art. Mm. I I was listening. That's hard to to imagine, isn't it? Well, what what I hear you saying is that that music there's enough intrinsic beauty in music. Yeah. 
that that music unto itself is beautiful, yes, and worthwhile, yes, and and valuable, yes, and and um, it's nice to make money, right? Well, yeah, but, but you know, but 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 if but you know, but you, I remember seeing some interviews as a kid of of some artist that uh, it was even a jazz artist, and and he mentioned, um, you know, uh, the, when he was starting out, it was it was about the girls. <laughs> and, and, and and I always thought, well, yeah, girls are cool, um, but uh, you know, and, and and when you meet someone, uh, an artist, and come to find out it, that the art really is is just off in the corner, mm-hmm. and it's really about them achieving other things, popularity, or whatever it is, yes. you know, and it kind it kind of you know makes you feel a little sad of like, well, don't don't you enjoy what you're doing anymore? Yeah, you know, and 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 and, and you speak. Um, you spoke in this, uh, a couple of interviews I watched. You, you impress upon your students that passion is important. Yes, absolutely. So, what what what, what informs your passion? Well, we, we touched on that a little bit, but if you want to like like what and why is that so important? No, it, it maybe uh, well, just the the art of music and and how it stimulates the the human the human uh, is probably enough, but there is also a selfishness in that. You know, mm. if you remember back in the church when I did my first song uh, and I got that applause, mm-hmm. uh, you're always seeking that feeding. You mm. know, it's right. like, my, if they don't call me back, you know, I'm waiting for my compliments. Uh, there's an ego there. Now, sure. Don't get me wrong. And, and even the angel in heaven had that ego, if mm. you remember. I, I've never read, read it in the, in the Bible, but um, uh, it was a story about an angel who was over the music you right. know, in the choir, and he thought he was getting to be a little bit better than God, and so God cast him down into the underground, and he became Lucifer, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but, yeah, you, you have to keep your ego intact. Um, also, and you have to woodshed, and you have to learn material, and you have to read your audience. It's it's work, mm. but oh, it's so much fun, you know, right. it, to 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 make a difference in a person or or an audience. Uh, the other night, if I if you don't get a, a standing ovation or you don't get an encore back, and you know, it's kind of like oh, I just failed. I failed oh, yeah. to, so you always want that feedback, and I think that that is the fuel, also the passion for the music. Mm-hmm. But if you put it out in front of uh, of of the universe, uh, you you want that you want that feeding of the there's a feeding of the ego that that is more important than money, you know, right. really the acceptance. You know, you ever heard what was that movie? They love me. They really love me. You know, <laughs> right. what was it? You know, it's like Sally Field. Yeah, that, that right. Speech. <laughs> so it, there's there's a method to the madness. Yeah, and there's madness to the method. So I just uh, you do it for yourself and your passion. If you don't have passion for anything, mm. if you don't have passion for athletics, you know, why play football? Right. Uh, basketball. Uh, Oh, I've got a nephew who pushes his boys in basketball, and he's in the back of his head. He says, well, maybe they'll get a scholarship, you know, like sure. push, push, push. And I'm seeing these kids, you know, they really don't have the passion, but they want to please dad, you know, uh, and that kind of yeah. thing. And I'm saying, 
Well, you know, you might be raising monsters, you know. They, they come out hating you, you know. Uh-huh. But maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's, uh, it's just what um, you, uh, you want to instill in your kids. And I'm just happy that I had parents that said, you can be a janitor. Just be the best. Mm. Be good. Be, be good at it. So yeah, passion is uh, is is number one. Without the passion, then you, you, you you're going to be miserable with the dues that you have to pay. Mm. Paid plenty dues, road dues, highway dues, uh, losing a band dues, uh, failing on a performance dues, not getting called back dues, not being uh, hired dues. Mm-hmm. Um, you're constantly asking, why me? Why not me? You know, I mean, you have to pretty much have a strong character for your passion in, in anything. Right. Uh, and um, a conviction and commitment and longevity. You know, you have to take care of yourself so that you can uh, live long enough to maybe get eventually a record deal. <laughs> Like you just, it's everything. It's yeah. your whole existence. So yeah. it, without the passion, you you might end up pretty miserable being in something that you're not really passionate about. Well, speaking of paying dues and everything, uh, if we could maybe talk about Nashville and yes. the start of your recording career and everything. Well, yeah, yeah. And then kind of work our way to Memphis. Well, it, there was a transition there, right? It got me here, actually. Mm-hmm. I was... Uh, I was going to be, uh, uh, I had a producer, his name was Earl Richards, and he uh, did a couple of country demos on on me. He was uh, handling me at that time in Nashville, and um, we cut a couple of country demos, and he sent it to... uh, uh, Jim Stewart in Stax, because at that time, uh, Jim was considering a subsidiary label of Stax for country, and for country label. And it was me and O.B. McClinton, I think, that, that he had signed up uh, to do country. I was going to be the Charlene Pride. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it didn't work. Uh, it didn't even have a chance to work, actually, because, of course, Stax folded in 1975, uh, and that was during the time that uh, he was very interested. Uh, in Nashville, I also opened Opryland in 1972, and uh, Dixieland Band, that we, we kind of like floated around the whole park, oh, yeah. strutting like the strolling. New Orleans, strolling, yeah. and uh, was in a... Um, a trailer with seven musicians, seven guys, you know. So that's when I just kind of learned all the jokes. And <laughs> <laughs> but it was showtime at Opryland. I mean, you get there an hour early, you you uh, meditate, you breathe in and out, and you get your costumes ready, and it's showtime. Um, that was a great lesson. It's, it's like the vaudeville day, you know. You, you, we had seven shows a night, a day. Mm. And uh, it was hard, but great for my age. I was early 20s at the time. Opryland, uh, and then, of course, I was with WSM because I knew the American Pop Book, which I 
tale of students that will never go away. The Gershwins, the Jerome Kearns, the Hoagie Carmichael's, the Duke Ellington book. Learn those tunes. Why does that music have longevity, you think? It's American, and it made, usually, if you, uh, Tin Pan Alley uh, Publishing helped it quite a bit. Uh, Usually, if you go into Tin Pan Alley Publishing, nine times out of ten, it would hit Broadway. And, uh, of course, Broadway uh, is known as the American um, theater, and uh, it's good, solid writing. I mean, uh, you know, um, but I think that's why. It was, it was a serious connection with writer, musician, to uh, Broadway, mm. uh, and it's true American. Uh, we all know Gershwin and and the the theater and Porgy and Bess and uh, Rhapsody in Blue and um, it continues and it it uh, it's it's like um, it's like American uh, fabric that is maintained by Americans and of course I went to Italy once and they all knew the book mm. they couldn't speak any English in conversation but they knew. Every song in English, you wow. know, and so it's it goes beyond this country, but it re- represents our fabric, I think, of, of good songwriting. And, of course, the promotion of Broadway doesn't hurt, and it's, so it, everybody knows it, mm-hmm. everybody's, and this is before TV, that it, it was Tin Pan Alley existed, uh, radio helped a lot. Exposing uh, because radio was the, the fashion at that time in the twenties. What earlier than nineteen tw- twenties? I'm not sure about the years of radio, but I think that's the reason why it's most popular. Mm-hmm. It's like the Bible of American songwriting mm. um, uh, of the that element, and of course, you know, the jazz players embraced it. And they built uh, improvisations on top of it. Uh, perfect example is I'm in the mood for love. Mm-hmm. And James Moody put Moody's mood for love on top of it. Um, you have uh, songs like uh, Olio, yeah. uh, that, yeah. and Anthropology, that, that Sonny Rollins and uh, uh, Monk, uh, they put their improvisation on top of uh, uh, I've Got Rhythm which is a Gershwin. So it was embraced by the swing era. It was embraced by the bebop era. Um, it continues because it's just part of our DNA, mm. I would think. Um, that's a pretty standard song form now. It's you know, a standard, yeah. That's what, it's the Bible. I mean, you learn that and then do other things. We, we teach, uh, I, I like to teach the contrafacts of, of, of one song, uh, two, uh, two songs on the same chord changes right. is, mm-hmm. is, is what we are striving to do. And you're improving, but you don't realize it. You're just learning two songs. And you're learning uh, Moody's Mood for Love, mm-hmm. which was an improvisation on top of I'm in the Mood for Love, which was a standard American pop song, uh, and not even realizing that you're improving. Mm. Uh, it's just two songs in one. Do you think America will will, will experience another uh, pop book like that? I mean, well, you know, another collection of of music. Are there songs today that that get close to that? I think we have threshold. I, yeah, I, are we building one now? You think, and we're just too close to see it, or 
Well, I think so. I think there, there are things that are written in cement that won't go away, that represents our culture. Uh, it was developing. It develops as we live. Uh, right. uh, I grew up on 1960s, and I was telling you about the substance of songwritings. And the, I grew up on the Beatles, Van Morrison, I, uh, the British influence, but also uh, James Brown and... Uh, um, uh, uh, Sting came from Scotland, but I'm, I'm thinking American. Um, there, there are many. I can't sure. uh, recall names, but there, there are many uh, uh, books that are written. Stevie Wonder book. Mm. Um, the um, Eric Clapton. He's from England. The British invasion was very important in my day. Uh, but I grew up on Bob Dylan, oh, the yeah. substance of his writing, poetry, uh, poetry. Yeah, um, it, yeah it, it. There are books being made as we speak that will will remain into the next generations. Substance. Of course, the British invasion was informed British, a lot by right here, in the, the music right here. <laughs> right, British so. in, invasion was uh, enormous and still is. Yeah. You know, and, and now you're seeing combinations. Shaggy and Sting have a new project right. out. So, and you also got the dizzy uh, influences of of Middle Eastern rhythms and African rhythms right. that were in, that kind of changed swing. You know and 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 influence bebop and you know we're there's very little land on this earth there's more water than land so you know it's we're we're bound to bump into each other eventually and I, I was, exchange i had a conversation just the other day uh uh amazon prime we we, we don't have cable or even regular channels anymore at our house it's netflix and <laughs> right. youtube and amazon prime you know they're taking over the world which is you know, fine so far. <laughs> but uh, I was watching a show, uh, uh, another take on uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, and it and that's it's a spy adventure. You know, CIA hooligan. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, just all sorts of stuff going. But the music that really piqued my interest was French, uh, Arabic rap. rap. Right. It, wow. It, it, so so Man. so here so here's this American art form Man. transplanted. It's amazing. And, 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 and just to hear that the French language and 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 their rhythm and their cadence. Yes. I, I have no idea what's being said, but it really grabbed a hold of me. I had to go to Spotify, and I just pulled up. I just typed in French rap, and and I I, I had a whole afternoon of just. You know their 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 take of how they distill uh, the the concept of beats. Yes, all of it. It, it, it was it's amazing. It's amazing of our American uh, music and how it influences the universe. Mm. Uh, we are the young country. We're the, we're the teenagers of of a country uh, of a country of a culture. Uh, we've had one hellacious uh, history, you mm. know, within 300 years, if you mm -hmm. think about it. I was a slave uh, a couple of years ago, you know, and here I am, a president of the country that enslaved me. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in spite of, I think we are admired and we are respected, uh, along with the hating and resenting and the intimidation. Mm. <clears throat> we kind of lead, you know, that, that human element of how we can get along a democratic socialistic government which is totally impossible but we make it work 
for some kind of reason. You know, it works. Uh, it's hard. It's almost impossible. But uh, the British invasion was based on the American influences. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Rolling Stones uh, named their group after after a, a blues uh, legend uh, from Mississippi. You know, it, uh, the blues influences uh, is part of the, uh, the the causation of the British influence. Uh, and they brought it back to us. There's this saying that uh, we don't really uh, embrace our music until it's embraced by uh, other countries. Mm. And then we say, oh, we're great. You know, we're, uh, we're influencing uh, all this world that's around us. The same reason they knew the American pop book at uh, Jazz Centro, and where was it? It was in uh, uh, Torino. Uh, it, it's a it's a whole school where they're teaching kids the American pop book, and they're improving and jazzing it up. Um, you know, I go there and I'm saying, "Wow, you know, this, this is this is incredible. Mm. Uh, how did it get to your ears?" How did it get to your educational uh, level of teaching? Um, so I think we lead. I think we lead the music of the world and the rap. You know, I've, I've heard it. I've heard it in all countries. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, it's no. It's really not difficult to understand. It's rhythm and it's rhyme. Right. That's nothing new. But when it starts talking about our living situations, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's our music. Like we talked about Dizzy Gillespie saying, well, man, uh, we, we're going to get away from the swing. <laughs> we're going to do something that they can't get, you know. And that, that bebop improvisation kicked in. I kind of compare it with the rap. Mm. It's like, man, we can't compete with the rock and roll and, and the pop, and so we're going to do a music, you know, we're going to express ourselves on our experience in the ghettos, in the urban, our problems, and, and make it rhythm and rhyme. And that's, that was sort of the birth of rap, you know. But everybody has a ghetto, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a down experience. So it becomes the world, you know. We, we start it. We invent it, we put it out, it's embraced. Mm. And it continues, I think. We are, um, we are still uh, the inventors mm. of music that impresses the world. I think that will never end. Do you think about what makes a good song, or do you just let your intuition inform you of what Man, sometimes the mechanics you, of it? What, what, what do you think? You know, songwriting, I just admire it so much. But, you know, I'm the kind of person, if I can't write a song in at least like 30 minutes, I'm through with it. Mm. <laughs> but, but I know that it, it's, that's, it, it doesn't, doesn't get too far with that. Um, it's a study. You know, Nashville really takes it seriously. Mm. You know, I mean, if you need a co-writer, you can call up a number and they can provide you a co-writer because you will need a co-writer. To tell your story. It's all about telling that story in three minutes, narrative form of writing. I, you know, one night I wrote a song called Coffee and Cream, you know, and, and I'm lucky to have an engineer next door. And I, you know, next day, let's, let's put it down. I get on the piano, I do the bass line. It's sort of like a sadistic, masochistic song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know it's not going to sell. Maybe, oh, who knows? It might. 
but it's the groove, you uh-huh. know, and um, it didn't make much sense. It was kind of like uh, you you treat me bad, but I love it, you know, and mm. uh, not treat me bad, but you you stab me, but but I feel all right, and then you grab me into your light, and you know, you just it's like a yo yo thing, you know, you go through. Pain and pleasure kind of song. Right. Um, but it was the groove. So the writing, uh, I admire Dylan, and I admire uh, uh, the writers here in Memphis uh, quite a bit. Uh, I grew up on Keith Sykes, and I grew up on, uh, on all of the Stax writers. And, you know, I admire that boy and girl. I kind of try to... Um, I try to say, let's write more of of uh, situations mm-hmm. uh, that that are happening in in our society now, as opposed to boy and girl relationships. And okay. I love him; he loves me. He, yeah, what you know? Um, I find that a lot in in our music now. It's all about the um, the um, you know relationships between. Uh, girl and boy kind of thing, especially in um, the kind of uh, rap. Uh, mm-hmm. Sexual connotations are very popular now in, in all the music. So, uh, you know, I think writing is important, but I really admire the writers that can write universal. I mean, the, in, the, a song that will be infinite. I, it, a lot of D- Dylan songs apply to today, and they were written... 40 years ago, <laughs> you know, right. uh, sort of like anthems of, uh, of uh, uh, sanity, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. But um, writing is painful for me, you know. Maybe, maybe I haven't suffered enough. I don't know. Maybe mm. you have to suffer, really lose and, and be down. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe you have to take, you know, my mom wanted me to major in literature. Maybe you need to have a few courses of, of writers and how they exist and what, what made them great and what didn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think when you touch that, that, that human soul, that's, that's when you can be a great writer, you mm. know. But then I think about the Abbey Road, uh, the Beatles, and everything on that you want to do, you want you want to perform uh, because of the melodic and the the rhythm and the I you know it's I just think that if you throw enough songs against the wall, maybe a couple will stick, right? And and it, and it can be about anything actually. Um, I hear sounds now, you know, more sounds than I hear lyric. I mean, I don't, I just, just kind of uh, repetitive lines that uh, that are continuing. Dance where there's dance, there's there's music, mm. and I'm thinking, uh, make it danceable, and maybe there's more emphasis on that than there is on maybe substance. Uh, at times, mm-hmm. but they're great writers. I mean, Sting is one of my favorite writers of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I lose my faith, uh, he has substance. Uh, and, you know, I, Stevie Wonder has substance. I, I, I have my favorite writers of today, but um, uh, for me, um, I've been doing cover, you know, for so long. Mm-hmm. And 
I do have a catalog of original material. I started at Shoe Production. Wayne, Wayne Crook uh, embraced me and told me to take that guitar off the wall and start writing. And, and I was over at Shoe for maybe eight, ten years mm. writing. And um, I have all of that uh, under my belt. And you play with the, the band I from played, there, right? Uh, uh, yeah. The, the hot, what was it? The hot, uh, well, Hot, hot Fun, hot fun yeah. came out of Shoe. Right. It was the Shoe band uh, for all the recordings over there. And then uh, we came. We were in. We were in the studio for like five, six years, and then we came out and started booking. Mm -hmm. And people going, "Where y'all from? God, you're great!" But all of that started in studio. So when when is this? This had to be eighties, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, 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 latter seventies, early eighties. When I first really came to Memphis, Wayne mm -hmm. Crook came to me and. And I uh, said, come on over and write songs with us. And um, that's when uh, Dave Smith was brought in, Gene mm. Nunez, yeah. uh, yeah. Lanny McMillan, Steve Potts. Mm. They had the best players of the time. It was a hot, kicking band. And they embraced my jazz uh, book, too, you know. And Lanny was very, Lanny McMillan on sax, you know. Yes. He, yeah, he, he, he was very into uh, it, to it all and still is. Um, I had... Um, Experiences with um, uh, Herman Green at uh, mm, when I right, when right. I first came to Memphis. See, this is what this is what really attracted me uh, to Memphis. Uh, it was during the the time when you had bring your own bottle in the uh, clubs, and uh, you you always got the dosage of blues and jazz in these clubs uh, that wouldn't. Uh, close until three and four in the morning, mm. and uh, there were people here that showed me around, you know. And I, that's where I said, my, you know, I didn't get that in Nashville. Um, so, I got Opryland, you know, right. WSM. <laughs> uh, but I, like I said, that python around your neck with the <laughs> with the bar case, that was my first. <laughs> My first initial loving of Memphis was in Nashville at a party. I was sitting between two speakers, and I heard Hot Buttered Soul. And I said, where, did, where is this coming from, this, this sound, this production? They said, Memphis. I mm. said, oh, my God. <laughs> and so I, when I had the opportunity of coming to Memphis because of Jim Stewart's deal with Stax, I came and um, uh, that's when I heard the Barquets, and uh, they they were um, on stage and glitter and color and python around their neck, and talking about uh, the song was "Your Love Is Like the Holy Ghost," and I'm saying I've never seen anything like Memphis, and and of course the diversity of black and white music mm -hmm. was so impressive. Um, at that time, Overton Square was Bill Street. Bill Street was boarded, closed, right. dead. Downtown, dead, pretty much. So I have lived through a transition in Memphis of being dead, downtown, Bill, to thriving now. It's like four decades I've been here uh, since 1970s. Unfortunately, uh, stacks closed. I lost the record deal, but I wanted to stay. Well, now you came, so, so you did, uh, just kind of recap. Um, yes. So from Nashville, 
which you did some recording work. Yes. Country, yes, some country, country songs. And, country. But your first or, or last recordings were stacks or country recordings? Well, right? my or, first, my for, very first okay. was, yes, it was on a label titled uh, Enterprise. Maybe, okay, yeah. all right. It was subsidiary, and it was... Um, Jim Stewart's uh, desire to mm. start this uh, country label. Yeah, he was way ahead of his not, time. Not usually oh, associated he, with stacks, yeah, you know, yeah, so that's kind of right. Wonderful. And and uh, if you listen to the new Motown, so and and the new Nashville, it's it's where Jim Stewart was. Right, right. He was just not. He was ahead of his time, mm. and I think to diverse mm. your your music companies. I think it's where he was going. Um, and uh, black country artists are are still struggling, even in Nashville. Hmm. Uh, it's 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 pretty. Uh, it's it's a uh, country has really changed. It's it's they have look they had a thing in Nashville called it made Time magazine. It's called um, uh, uh, what was it called? Hick hop. <laughs> it was like country rap. Wow. See, Nashville—they're branching out, and their market is all about yeah. publishing and marketing. And uh, I think they—they'll—they'll they'll experiment with anything. Dolly Parton is saying, "Oh my God, it, I, this is just terrible." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's changing. The millennials have identified what they want. They have built downtown. They have. Mm. Um, it, it is Nashville. I mean, Memphis. It has. I have seen the growth because of the young energy, the youth. I have admiration for the millennials. I see they're building. They're they're um, they're living. Uh, condominiums are popping up everywhere. Um, now we have Midtown uh, Cooper. And young, and we have uh, 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 Overton Square, and we have uh, downtown, and it's just everywhere now. And I'm, I'm sort of like putting the blame of that to the our young youth, the, the energies, and and their corporate mentalities and their um, identifications of individual, as you were saying. Uh, individuality and bright and fresh ideas and just rebuilding the city. I mean, if you can't imagine coming to a city where your your warehouses are boarded up, mm. and the windows and, and the empty streets of Bill Street and with, uh, with boarded windows and nothing, you know, uh, to a great thing now, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I'm so happy that I'm, experiencing the differences so when i came it was like uh the dives uh, the uh the 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 dives is where the music was you know the soul of the music and i st sometimes i think there's a homogenation here going uh due to the open drink the bar which is mm -hmm. 1975 it's when the when the bars were uh, you can order single drink as opposed to bring your own bottle and put it on the table, um, I think it made a difference in mm. in the music. Um, we uh, I don't find the jazz anymore. I know that mm -hmm. there there are little spots. There's the cove uh, in the um, 
board, uh, broad area. Oh, broad, yeah. Uh, and they're uh, Ernestine Hazel's uh, mm-hmm. may, uh, on a Sunday. Uh, I'm appearing at Bosco's. I've been there for about mm, 18, maybe 17 years. Mm. And I, the, the owners wanted jazz, but I found that uh, you, you just kind of have to throw it in mm-hmm. between other things, you know. And because I have a diverse band, uh, Jimmy Arnold, uh, Mike Adams, uh, we have Dr. Steve Wachtel on sax and clarinet, we have Stan Jackson on percussion and flute. These guys just come in, uh, Mark Weiss on scat, and um, uh, that's pretty much just like a music church after church. Right. And uh, people come in and sit in. Last night we had Jack Rowell sit in, uh, Eddie Harrison the legendary R&B guy, pop, you know, he's, he's, uh, he was the first guy that I admired because he was mm-hmm. a black man singing white music in Memphis, and he had white girl singers. Hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. And I'm saying, you know, because I, I hate to say it, but we think black and white, mm-hmm. uh, and and we make we see the differences. And we, you know, I've learned to. Um, I remember Diane Price. She said, "I want to get out of social work." And get into music. And I said, well, girl, you just go on and get you a white man and start playing and working. (laughs) And that's what she did. That's what she did. Of course, we've lost so many great uh, legends here in Memphis, Uh, all the way back to Rick Harvey and Tom uh, Hackenberger. I mean, I have watched us die and, and, and live and be rejuvenated and and be revived and be born and you know four decades is a long a long time to mm-hmm. be with a city and watch it grow um from death to to life actually um unfortunately we've lost uh, our major labels um uh i think that's a sad thing the doors closed with sam phillips but they're now reopening right and and rejuvenating and reinventing and uh thriving uh eventually uh stacks academy is doing incredible work uh um, we call them uh, our young lions and yes. lionesses yeah. uh, they are learning to read they're learning to write uh, they will survive in mm. the music industry if they wish to. Uh, I just did a concert with Rhodes College uh, with the young uh, students and uh, doing swing and doing contemporary pop and doing um, you guys and were at the shell too, right? Yeah, that was yeah. at the shell, and I saw the uh, young academy of, of Stacks also playing swing, playing Olio. Man, come on. Uh, and I know a guy that um, was a part of Stax teaching, and he kind of branched out on his own. Steve Lee, he's handling kids uh, from the eighth grade to the twelfth yeah, after yeah. school program. They spend six hours on Saturday. Now, where can you find a kid that wants to do music six hours on Saturday? 
but um, uh, he's making a difference, and this city will survive mm. uh, due to our nurturing the young. And, I'm, and, and that's so important, and I was so proud every time I see it, every time I see these young kids, uh, they're, they're no, the, the drum is bigger than they are. And they are up there playing, man, and they're reading. And I'm just saying, oh, this is there's hope hmm. in, in the music industry. Uh, I think that I've, Memphis has always seemingly been a place to nurture our musicians. Right, and, right. and and I, I think of the, the, the jazz people like Mulgrew Miller we talked about, right. George Coleman, um, James Williams. They all came, Alberta Hunter, they all came from Memphis but they didn't stay. They they were nurtured here, and then they left and became legends. Right. So, what do you w- with your with your students and with the kids that we're talking about uh, coming up in, in music uh, today? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you tell your students um, about uh, you know working in music? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 uh, noticing a change. Um, in our uh, younger, what do you call the younger than millennials? The 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 yeah, that. they're they're college kids. <laughs> they're college kids, and they're 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 looking at. I still claim Generation yeah, X myself. Right? Yeah. I can't keep up, but they're they're looking at the economics of of music. Mm. Uh, they're looking into music law. Uh, they're looking into music business. Uh, promotion, publishing, um, other uh, other formats than f- performance. Mm. Uh, I think it's because um, performance is is such a hard road. Um, you know, it's unless you marry your producer. You know, <laughs> and even if you do that, it's still hard because you have to keep up and you have to sell. It's all about selling. I went to William Morris when I was in Nashville because I thought I was like a hot item, you know. And I said, I, well, I would like for you to, you know, work with me and, and help book me. And they sat me down at a table like this and they said, well, okay, uh, how many seats can you sell? And I'm saying, I have to sell seats? <laughs> I thought it was about music. <laughs> you know, it's not, no, it's about selling. Uh, you, know, you know, how many tickets can you bring in? Can you pack the FedEx? Um, can you fill up the Orpheum? Uh, you know, then that, that is priority. So I think students are seeing that. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the, the, the chances of performance and success is pretty much like NBA, NFL. You know, one out of a thousand might make the, the NBA, you know, whatever. Uh, and they're getting smarter and they're more uh, practical. They're thinking about their future. They work corporate. They're into corporate and uh, outside of performance. I'm I'm noticing that now mm. today, and they're also very serious into their commercial uh, music, which is pop music, uh, as opposed to jazz. It's kind of like mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about jazz. Don't even mention it. Improvisation? Oh no. Uh, how am I going to make a living on that? You know, <laughs> you know, and I go home and I say, you know, you have a point uh, because basically, remember Carl and Allison from Kansas City? 
a great contemporary jazz vocalist who improvs, mm -hmm. Tierney Sutton, mm. um, all the contemporaries. Uh, they have to work in Europe to make a living. Yeah. It's just not a sale in, in American music. We create it, but we, you know, we put it somewhere else. Um, so improvisation uh, necessarily is not required now. Um, the curriculum leans more toward commercial music as opposed to jazz. I would say I have very few jazz majors that where they have to sit and they have to improv and they have to um, uh, make their voices similar to horns and they have to create and they have to study and learn Monk and Mao's and, um, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the more update uh, mm -hmm. music of contemporary. Um, so I'm, I'm getting less jazz majors. Mm. And more commercial music majors that want to go into these other um, sections of, of music industry, which m makes sense. I mean, everybody can't be Lady Gaga and Beyonce, and it, it, you know. And the reality is, you gotta you've got to play the game, and it's more uh, selling seats than it is maybe music. Uh, if you get hookups and you've got the look, you've got to have the look now. I realized, you know, I, I was in that transition when your voice was more important than your look. But now, you know, look is very important. Right. So all of those things, I think, have changed the, the focus of uh, the music and the, uh, our young people. Now, if you want to sit down in the woodshed and learn to read your music, you have a great uh, uh, future. Uh, reading your music mm -hmm. and diverse your music. Mm -hmm. Be able to play Monk, but also be able to play Sting, and also be able to play Muddy Waters, and you, you have to play it all, you have to read it, you have to notate. Uh, you, you might have a bright, bright future uh, in the music industry. Um, but as a performer, marry your producer, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure, he, and make sure he's a Sony producer. <laughs> then you'll get far. Then you'll get far. That's great. Oh yeah. gosh. And I kind of agree with them on that. Mm. It's harder now. Mm -hmm. It's visual, and yeah. so nobody cared how Aretha Franklin looked. You know, when she was making all those hits, man, mm. it wasn't important really. Um, but now you have to dance, you have to sing, you have to act, you have to do it all for the package mm -hmm. to sell the seats. Yeah. Mm. What do you think? Maybe you disagree uh, on that. I don't know. You know, yeah. I mean, when's the last, I obviously like when, when a large artist comes to town and incorporates everything you just mentioned, you know, the, uh, a dance, they have choreography, they have... Uh, multi-million dollar light in PA. I mean, it, it's it's a it's it's a circus. I mean, uh, it, I mean that in a in a in a positive. I mean, right. but but it, it's multi-component, huge tech technological effort, um, and precision in their in the performance and like I said in their dance. 
it, it's 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 a spectacle. It, it's uh, but why shouldn't it be? It's right? visual. You know, right. yeah. No. We want it to be tremendous visual. visual. Um, and all this. It, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I I but we we touched on this before. The the you know, can you convince? How is it that you convince someone from an early age that that music is is just unto itself valuable and and, and enjoyable? You know, like I I still remember <laughs> in high school getting together with some buds, sitting down and listening to a a CD or a record. Like right, right. Who does that? Well, take them to a John Prine concert. Oh my goodness! Oh, so, the songwriter still still survives and is basically the winner. Uh, you don't need visual and lights and effects. Right. With, with a real serious writer, you just sit down at a piano and about uh, Billy Joel, uh, 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 Elton John, uh, Ray Charles, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, John Legend. Uh, you just you you just sit. You're you're a writer. I think the you know that's why I really love writers, man, because they survive no matter what the uh, the uh, in, w- no matter what the the time is, you mm. know it's it, it's the time of visual. Well, you're still that writer that can relate that story. Yeah, everything's about the story. The, Everybody's yeah, everything. Whether it's but music or business or that's another level of listener, right. though. That that's yeah. that's to where like I, I like the term like well, is music just an accessory? Yeah, right. you know, like or, or are you lo- are you looking to have music actually speak like you said to your soul? Right. You mentioned in an interview. Uh, Turning your chemo sessions in, into oh. into us, I mean, how oh how profound God. and beautiful is that? I mean, that music that that's uh, that, that that's taking music to a, a different right. place, right? Well, you know, here here's the deal: the reality that that you have uh, pancreatic cancer, and your doctor comes in, and you've got a great doctor. Uh, I was very fortunate to to hook up with a doctor who started the West Clinic in mm. Memphis. I mean, he was one of the founders. And he comes in, and he holds your hand, and he cries with you. Oh. I'm saying, like, what's going on? You know, well, you have a cancer that pretty much predicts, you know, you know, a um, not not such a longevity of life. You know, and the doctors are real with you, and uh, you sit down and you say, oh, my gosh. He says, now, God, he's a godly man, and that's, that's a good thing. He says, God and chemo, you know, we can, we can try to get rid of this thing. And mm-hmm. so uh, while I was in chemo, um, uh, Hank Sable, who is a wonderful musician, um, plays uh, banjo and um, ukulele and uh, mandolin and uh, uh, violin, uh, he's part of the group at Bosco's. Mm-hmm. He started coming at all of my chemo sessions, and we started singing our songs and, and uh, entertaining everyone else that was in the room uh, having uh, chemo mm. uh, sessions. Uh, how healing that was. See, once again, we go back to the healing, the sweet nectar from heaven music. It heals. It makes you leave with hope, and uh, as of today, I'm in uh, going on four years of uh, remission, mm. and uh, it's an education because uh, I learn. Uh, I have uh, a chem- I have a CT scan every four uh, uh, four months, 
He wanted three months. I said, please make it four months, you know, because it's a shot of radiation and they mm -hmm. look inside your body and see if it's coming back. And uh, mm -hmm. and then the causations of, of cancer. Um, how did I get this? I mm -hmm. mean, I, I can't think of anyone in my family who really um, has it. Uh, but then I start thinking about my great aunts who had ovarian cancer Um my second cousin had ovarian cancer. Could it be DNA? Could it be environment? Could it be what I'm eating? Could it be what I'm drinking? I think that's that's the downer of, of any disease is how did I get it? Why me? What am I doing wrong? What am I, uh, what should I do right? And it's kind of confusing, you know, alkylate foods and drink as opposed to acidic and what do I eat in the day? Do, don't eat a banana. No, do eat a banana. Right. Uh, you know what? You know, just back and forth to how do I live long, man? That's all I want to do. I just want to live long. Uh, I had I had a grandmother who lived at 92. I had my mom lived at 95. My father's side, they they lived maybe 80s, 70s. So uh, it, it may be genetic, it may be environmental, it may be all of the above. And, you know, you just live your life every day. Uh, music heals and keeps me going. It really does. But the reality, and then you see like um, Aretha Franklin, who died of pancreatic. And the first thing they want you to do is consider surgery, you know. So the, the, the surgeon, uh, who's about 35 years old, he comes in and he's, he, he draws what the surgery involves, you know. Uh, well, we have to go, um, we have to take out a third of your stomach to get to the pancreas and uh, remove the tumor. And then, then we have to redirect your digestive system so you can be normal. And I said, mm. never mind. Uh, and you, and that, that's the reality. Everyone will have that moment where you have to decide on your decision of your life. And it's not, not your kids. It's not your, your family members or your friends' influences. You're going to be faced with that, that decision. Do I want surgery? Is it going to maintain my life uh, and how long as opposed to not having surgery and maintaining my life and living long? Uh, so it's a God thing, man. Yeah. You know, however you identify your God, and there are many uh, definitions of, of an individual's God. Well, it's also maybe what my doctor said, it's chemo, it's chemo and it's God. You know, not necessarily in that order, and I appreciate that. But you try. It's very hard in Memphis to to eat right. You've got <laughs> fried pickles, fried chicken, fr fried uh, mushrooms, and pork. Now, you know, but I've I've got this thing about fried. You know, you know. There's a there's a fish place now that has fried clams. Man, are they good? But, you know, and Bosco's, they have fried um, artichokes. Oh, my God, to die for. I mean, 
Yes. You know, give me a break. And then you go home and eat apple and banana. Oh, but an apple might not be good. But, oh. uh, you know, I, I, if you read on this thing, oh, it, just... it really confuses you. On the uh, Internet, you know, it says eat apples, don't eat apples. Apples are good. No, apples are bad. Uh, and, you know, so uh, I try to go organic, you know. Uh, you have to seek it out sometimes uh, in various grocery stores. You know, you just... You just try to live, you know, and keep your spirits high. Um, the love of Memphis and what they give me. When I, when I was uh, diagnosed, oh, my God, I never realized how much I was loved here mm. in Memphis uh, with my music. Um, the people that turned out, that supported, that donated without me even asking or saying that I need um and and uh, uh boy did that heal i mean it, it made me say i, I better live mm-hmm. or they're going to be really mad you know um and then i started i went through this period where well they donated all this stuff do you think they might get mad because i'm living you know <laughs> <laughs> I, oh I'm surviving. Goodness. I mean, what do Survivor I do? Do guilt? I die? No. Do I live? No. Oh, I, no. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's um, it's really a challenge in your life, um, and don't know how, uh, what. Um, there's a saying, and I, I go out and I preach this: pancreatic cancer has risen among the African American women. Uh, in this area, hmm. and this is quoted from from reliable doctors, and possibly it might be a, 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 a reason of obesity, hmm. uh, diabetes, and uh, pancreatitis. And I had two out of the three. Oh wow! But when I say that to my doctor, he just kind of whatever and walks out, you know, because he's a medical scientist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but he says, you know, it, that it's very possible, but, um, if we can avoid the sugar and, uh, all of the things that make us, you know, gain weight and, and exercise, that's the thing that I need to work on more is working out daily, you know, a walk, uh, join the gym, uh, lift weights, whatever you just Get to that uh, that that mode of I want to live. Mm. So whatever it takes to make me want to live, uh, keep me living, uh, is is your back of your head all the time. You know. In the meantime, you enjoy fried chicken maybe once a week. <laughs> Maybe twice. Okay. I don't who, know. Who, who, who's fried chicken? Maybe it'll like? come back. Who cares? Uh, who, who, you know. Who, who's fried chicken? Are you are you a fan of? I, oh, uh, well, and without we, advertising. Well, you know, uh, we, we had we had a Nashville chain oh. come, come invade oh, us yeah, recently. Invade us. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have Gus's around the corner from my home. Well, that's the best they say. That's okay, the best well, in town. Well, Crumpies. I, 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 Crump, Crumpies is good. Yes. I've heard of Crumpies. Yeah, 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 and uh, anything that makes the bag greasy. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best, but it's the way I had my uh, I had my family coming in from Minnesota. Um, I've never lived in Minnesota, but I have family there. As we talked, and um, uh, they said, "Oh my God, I've gained twenty pounds, and I've only been here three days. (laughs) All this fried food, uh, and it's so good. You know, uh, you just you know, it's just here to do and to be and enjoy." 
And it's really hard to be vegetables and fruit and organic. I mean, it's really a drag. Yes. You, kind of, you, know, you look forward to a great meal. You know, give me something. Broccoli, are you kidding? Oh, my God. I mean, I like broccoli, but, you know, give me a break. So I, you try to do it all. You just, you know, go natural and go go chemical. You know, that's my wife what mentioned doing. that she found a... She found a Brussels sprout salad she really liked. I said, "Why is that?" She says, "Well, it had walnuts and it had it had molasses in it and bacon." And I Yum! Said, I said that's not what a way to dress up the Brussels sprouts. That's right? Great. Absolutely. And bacon. Oh, oh my God! I cannot resist. Now I can resist barbecue, barbecue ribs. I can go without that. I really okay. can. I do have a favorite. Because of the sauce, um, but uh, bacon, man, mm. I can't resist bacon. <laughs> I just can't resist I'm right bacon. There with you on that yeah, place. I just like plain. I don't like it mixed. Make bacon salad is good. I like that mixed with you know tomato and lettuce and and uh, uh, whatever you uh. want in it. But um, just a you know strip of bacon, you know, is just um, irresistible. This is going to get spiritual, but we, we've been touching on spirituality all day anyway. But there, you know, there's a in Revelation it talks about, and I, I quote this all the time because the first time I heard it quoted, it, it blew my mind. But in the new heavens and the new earth, the, the, the kings bring in their glory into the city of God. It says, yes. And you think like, well, what are they, what are they taking into the city of God? There's there's no more need for police. You don't need military. You don't need doctors anymore. They're, they're taking in food and music. Yeah. <laughs> and they're taking Check it in, out. Right? I mean, so I'm thinking like everything that we're touching on Check it goes out. on forever. So you know? I'll meet you in the afterlife. Hey, with, with some good... With, with the with high levels. bacon and some with swing. Some high, some bacon and swing, <laughs> High-level food and high-level swing. Bacon yes. and swing. Oh, yeah. and so so why, why are you so... You just, uh, you just exude uh, encouragement and hope. Yeah. So what, what... Because you've touched on things that are heavy... And can can bring you down, and, and yeah. can be despairing. Yeah. So why why are you why are you not weighed down? I mean, I'm sure, well, obviously these things you you met, you think about and, and and you address, but why are you so hopeful? I think it's because I love life. I love me. I love people, uh, and the the will to live and i want to see the future and i want you know i want to maintain uh a longevity to enjoy the uh, the young getting old look i've been at bosco's for eight, 17 years kids that were like 4 are now in college uh, if you think about it mm-hmm. and it's just amazing um, I love life, and I don't really know what's after life, you know. It's kind of scary. Um, I grew up uh, Roman Catholic, mm. with girls' school, Catholic. I was Miss Sweetheart in an all-girls school. I think that says a lot. <laughs> but um, I was taught by the nuns and the priests. Mm. Uh, I understand the afterlife. Uh, it, sometimes it's not quite visually. I just can't visualize the clouds and the angels and the wings and, you know, uh, the spiritual uh, infinite life that's after the rotting of the body and the ground. And uh, that transition, you know, you see your mom, she's there and then she's not. And mm. where is she? And she's her body is stiff and it's... 
you know, and you, you say, well, where is she now? Well, maybe she's within me. And maybe when they said that the spirit is infinite, it means that it lives within the living. Mm-hmm. So you maintain the spirit of your mom, your dad, or whomever uh, you have known in your life that in, has impressed you to to teach you. And um, so that's what keeps me going is the fear of dying. Oh. Actually, let's get down to it. Uh-huh. Really. The natural, fear right? of dying. A, a healthy fear? I guess it's a healthy. It's, it's not. It's not incapacitating you. It's, no, it's, no. It, I, yeah. I want to live because I don't want to die. But mm. also, I enjoy life, and I'm I'm grateful that God has given me a a place where there there is broccoli and there is options uh, to eat pig. <laughs> you know, I mean, and and I. I can uh, diverse my music and, uh, and and just inspire others with music and just give them what I've lived through mm. and and sing. Look at the Levitt Shell. We had two students from Rhodes, and they came on stage and they. Yeah, you, know, you could tell. I said, you, "You've got the guts, man. You've got the. You, you, it takes guts to get on stage in front of a crowd of people, and uh, do a music that you maybe not that familiar with, but you you know it. You learned it in in your classes, and now you're out there doing it. And uh, man, that just elevated me to see that uh, in the student uh, jazz band and also jazz vocalists and mm. i was so proud uh that those are the things that make you live your family your children your you know to see them grow I th- a lot of people want to live just to see their kids grow to experience their weddings and their yeah. celebrations and there there are reasons everybody has their reasons to want to hold on to to life but i think basically my th- my my passion is that a people uh, uh, and and to touch and embrace human and to understand and to experiment and to experience uh, it's just overwhelming of the the phases that I've gone through in my life I can't even remember them but they made me mm-hmm. to where I am now it's a blessing to have life when when your mom and dad conceived you and you were born and you came out right that's that's really an accomplishment on all three of you mm-hmm. you know and uh, you respect that and you maintain it and you take care of it and um I believe in the afterlife, but I'm thinking, sometimes I'm thinking, you know, sometimes I think I can remember before I was born, hmm. and it, 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 was, it was a constellation, though. It was like I was out in the darkness with, with, with the stars and the elements of, and maybe we're, we come, well, we, we're elements of stars, we're mm-hmm. elements of, so uh, the, this, this, this infinite existence is just overwhelming. I get to where I just don't even try to figure it out. It's, it's like, what did Aristotle say? You know, trying to figure it out is like having a tin can, trying to hold in the oceans, you know, mm-hmm. the water uh, of the oceans. It's just impossible. But um, uh, the experience of living 
is is a blessing and it can be overwhelming and to overcome the downs there have been times when i cried i broke down i had a stent problem the other uh, week or so i had to go to the hospital for about five days and uh, when i came home i just kind of broke down because i'm thinking why didn't i why didn't I find out about a stent? I mean, I'm, you put a stent in you, and you, you think it's there for life. But it, it wasn't. It got clogged. Mm. And, and John just started coming in, and, and I'm itching, and I'm turning yellow, and, I, and my liver count is high. And I'm saying, what? I mean, I thought everything was right, you know? Right. And suddenly, so I just took all my clothes off one day and just cried. <laughs> <laughs> just like naked. <laughs> Uh, just down. That was the down moments, and they were down. The reality of having cancer. I mean, there are moments where you're down, but you uh, you live to teach others. You mm. know that. Yeah, you'll have downs, but uh, if you if you want to live, and you got to snap out of it, mm. keep going. Don't stop. Wake up with purpose. Meaning, you know, and uh, to have that example, give examples. And uh, I feel like I'm more godly now. Mm. I, on my way here, I was saying whatever God chooses for me to do because uh, this I, I have overcome uh, at this time, you know. I don't know how long, but I'm here for a purpose. Please help me figure it out. What mm -hmm. is my purpose, you know? So I'm just living every day, doing what I do, and and sort of think that that's my purpose, you know. Yeah. And just keep somebody's keeping me going, and the doctor says chemo and God, <laughs> not <laughs> necessarily in that order. <laughs> well, and I you, love it. Do you have anything coming up? I mean, any projects in sight? Well, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking all of. Uh, I'm I'm writing. But I'm like like coffee and cream, you right, know. Right. I'm just gonna put it out, you know. And I'm, and, and shoe productions, um, they were so grateful to give me all of those songs that I I, I wrote at shoe for ten years. I was writing over there. Uh, they gave me back my publishing. So, oh, yeah, and that was a wonderful gift. See, this is what I'm saying: the love from Memphis. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I'm going to put it out. You know, and it's sort of like an archive. Uh, uh, I've talked to uh, Giannis uh, from the uh, university. I've talked to Ward Archard, uh, record company, and um, just trying to. I, I want to leave uh, a songwriting uh, catalog so that my family will know. And it's not in competition. I, I'm not trying to sell it out. I'm not trying to get a deal. I just want my family to know that I was more than a uh, on stage singing with a microphone. Mm -hmm. You know that I was a, I attempted to write, and who knows? Some of it might catch on fifty years from now. You, that's what publishing is, you right. know. And your your family might benefit from it. You, you just have to make sure it's protected and and uh, cataloged properly and your family can benefit it's it's as good as real estate really i mean you write songs you develop a publishing uh, catalog and uh, your family could maybe benefit from it you might get it in a commercial uh, from right. a rocket ship going to mars who knows i mean <laughs> you, time goes on without you right. you know 
and that is my first priority. Second priority is that I'm, I'm enjoying teaching at Rose in the University of Memphis, adjunct status. It's okay. It's like wheels that can come in and they can go out, you know, <laughs> and, and that's a good thing. Uh, traveling, um, Somewhat, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I have things that are coming up where uh, air flights will be necessary, and uh, I'm just trying to avoid stress. Uh, I think stress has a lot to do with illnesses sure. and diseases, uh, and I had a lot of stress. I, I didn't realize it, you know, just, just holding on to my best band musicians and providing them work mm. and constantly getting gigs and so you won't lose them you know right, it's like right. when, when whenever I separated from a band it was like a divorce oh. you know it was like oh my god they left me mm. <laughs> it's like I have to I have to find another member I have to find another uh, that can understand my diversity you mm-hmm. know that ha- it has to be able and willing and wanting to play what what I like uh, to do that has worked for me so um there's a lot of stress that you don't realize i had a lot of stress on bill street you know because of the hours you, your, I, your club i i saw that. i had i had a lot of stress on that when they you know on the like food and beverage is is something that, that you know i never really got into i was very lucky that uh food and beverage represented me and i didn't have to get into the uh the uh, stress of food and beverage um, mm-hmm. and competition uh, of others in in the same uh, field. Um, so all I had to do was maintain uh, a crowd with music, and that that was, uh, and you know that was a stress. I mean, we had Memphis Jazz Orchestra started at Joyce Cobb's, mm. and we had Alan Balter come in and play a clarinet. This is a guy who was a master of the Memphis Symphony and Akron, Ohio Symphony, and. Uh, uh, he came in Joyce Cobb's, uh, no money to play clarinet. We had Herb Ellis on guitar from, mm. that came in and did a concert. We had James Williams. And I was just saying, man, this is, this is great. This, this is on Bill Street. And I know that tourists come and they want to, they, some of them want to see it. You know, they want right. to be part of it. They want to uh, enjoy it. And so I get, I get heads up on this, like they don't drink enough, so we don't want jazz in this club. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to change the music. We want shooter crowds. You know, we want right. they, these right. jazz people. They sit down and they drink maybe two wines all night and take it up my tables. You know, and they and change to the, the music. music. Holy yeah, they listen to yeah. the music. You know, <laughs> they, 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 we want dancers. We, you know, uh, yeah. We want them to move, you know, and buy buy liquor. So that's those those experiences, you know, they're learning experiences. Um, um, and you know, just uh, I had uh, Keith Sykes on write a showcase at Joyce Cobb's. He graced me. He came in. He says I want it to be done here, and he brought songwriters from Nashville, and it was songwriting in the round, and mm. it, it it did well. Uh, and then you have the guy come up and says, well, I'm getting ready to sell the building. Uh, you can buy it for, you know, a million dollars, but, uh, you know, let me know on Monday. <laughs> right. right. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me go look I, in my soft yeah, yeah. drawer. Yeah, even, even, though, <laughs> even though you're grateful, because it was a gift. Yeah. 
It was a wonderful gift for reasons, you know, I I have reasons that I'm thanking, but it was a good thing. It, it got me in the archives of Bill Street, the first woman to have a club in her name. I'll go down in history with that. That'll be great for my family mm. uh, to know uh, as they grow up. Well, speaking uh, of history, you got a brass note too, right? A brass note. Yeah, that's right. right. And, uh, and, and by the way, I must say Reba Russell is getting one yes. uh, in November. Right. Yes, congratulations. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite an honor. Yeah. Herman Green is, is up for one. Right. I'm I'm glad to see all of that. So you know, that was the that was a, a bad thing. I I went into a depression uh, for many years for after losing the club, club. right? right yeah, because yeah. I really all I needed was more time mm. because I saw it working. Look, we had Marie Maldauer come in and um, with her band. Uh, she had a deal with BB. Something went wrong with that, and so I said, "Well, come on down to Joyce Cobb's, and uh, we'll manage to put a little promo, maybe a little paragraph here and there in the in the um, uh, newspaper." And she brought her whole band down, man, and did a concert one night or thing. So I was just seeing um, in three years how the potential that right. it had if you just give me more time. And uh, I wasn't given that time, you know. I mean, it takes five years to get anything right. on, on the yeah. ground uh, up, you know, and right. I had three. So that was a major uh, kick in the stomach for mm. me, and it took me a while to overcome. I was in a depression. Um, and, of course, losing hot fun, you know, after we, you know, chiseled and and. And, pay, and bam the walls and for 10 years on the road, off the road. Um, they wanted to go their individual ways, and they had the right to do that. So that was an, another major depression. Mm. Th- these things were more depressing than, than the cancer, actually. Oh, my actually. goodness. Yeah. yeah, because it was, you know, cancer comes quick, and you, you either go with it or you don't. You you know you either live or you die, and you're going to do that anyway. So it's okay. But to lose something that you really believe that was going to work, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I really thought it was, and um, I think it because I had that jazz connection in in Memphis. Now Kirk Whalem is getting ready to to start a, a consistency of uh, jazz performance at the Harlowin. Uh, the theater next right. to the uh, Orf- Orpheum. Right. And uh, the difference between uh, Joyce Cobb and Kirk Willem is he has international hooks uh, where he can bring in major names for his concerts. And, um, and it could be quite profitable. Uh, but the fact that he's continuing the, the jazz elements of Memphis right. um, is, is quite joyful for me. So as long as it's being done, and I go home and I said, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's life, man. So... You know, I'm just. Hey, you know what? I'm just like la- I'm just happy to be alive. Yeah. I mean, anytime your doctor comes, holds your hand, and cries with you, that's like saying, "Why are you crying? Uh, are you trying to tell me something I don't know?" And the pancreatic cancer is. I think it's it's still being studied. They don't right. quite know 
because basically you can't get to it without going through something. Mm. It's like between your back and your stomach, and you know, and uh, to even figure out what are the causations, it all seems to be, you know, a guessing. Yeah. Uh, at this at this level of right. cancer, uh, pancreatic is uh, considered a difficult cancer. Sure. And it's also considered uh, a not longevity of life. Uh, mm-hmm. You're good for 10 years, uh, 12. So I figure I'm in a kind of hurry because I don't quite know. I yeah. might live to be, you know, I'm 73. I said in 10 years I'll be 83. What the hell? You know, just 83, that's a good run, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. th- you start thinking that way. Right. You know, it's like, okay, I got to get it done in 10 years in case. Aretha Franklin had 10 years with it, and she had the Whipple surgery, maybe. So I don't know how am I going to deal with this. And you start planning from that. You start thinking that way um, and aging. My voice is shaky. Is it age or is it cancer? I, you, oh, know, I, you know, you, all of this stuff yeah. goes through. But, I, man, I wake up every morning. I, ha- I have love in my life. I, I'm, I'm loved. Uh, uh, by the way, when you go in the in the in the hospital, make sure there's somebody there that loves you. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like the watch what's going on because it's it's such a um, popular place. You know, it's a lot of people in hospitals, right. and uh, and sometimes they need your help to keep up with things. You know that are happening to you. So that's another advice uh, that I would say. Um, so, you know, if you have love in your life, you have purpose in your life, uh, income coming in enough to, you know, maintain. I mean, what else do you want in life except fried chicken? Except fried, yes. <laughs> a little less bacon. broccoli, a, a little, little more bacon. A little, a little bacon, yeah. <laughs> well, Joyce, this, I mean, yes. this has been lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Your guys are fun. Oh, <laughs> Let's meet in the bar. Hey, after, yes. after this, let's do yeah. that <laughs> at Bosco. So yeah, so you, people can still come see you every Sunday at Bosco's. Right? Every Sunday we are there. We all we also leave every now and then. We're on uh, considered pop-ons on the American Queen, and this is where uh, it goes from St. Paul to um, to um, New Orleans, mm. and it stops in Nashville and Memphis. It depends. Uh, your package, but uh, we meet people from all over the world on that uh, on river that cruise steamboat. Yeah. yeah, and it's wonderful, uh, fantastic, a beautiful theater, and I call it the the Peabody on the water. Oh wow, you know, music uh, the the uh, impeccable. Preston Shannon was a big hit on that boat, and mm-hmm. they have Queen Anne and me, and they have uh, uh, historians and musicologists. Culinary studying, and uh, the only thing is, my my band has said, "Man, where are the chicks?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody on there is married, you know, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, of age. Uh, it's it's kind of a market uh, for senior citizens, mm-hmm. but they are really um, hungry for the southern uh, studies of of Civil War and mm. the food we eat and the music. And so we're very fortunate to be pop-ons. We we pop on 
the hardest part of the job is meeting the ba- uh, the boat. And sometimes it's in New Madrid, and we have to go to New Madrid to get on, and then it takes us back to Memphis. Sometimes we have to go to Greenville, get on it, and it brings us back to Memphis. Uh, Vicksburg, it brings us back to Memphis. So we're considered like pop-ons. We do mm-hmm. we pop on and do maybe a one night, two shows one night, and then pop off. Wow. And and that that uh, that makes everybody happy. They can do their other jobs, but uh, that's the main two things that I'm doing musically. Plus, I'm doing concerts with uh, Rhodes, and we're anticipating more jobs with Rhodes Band, mm. the faculty band. Um, you know, also, just uh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just you know, it's like performance, man. You have to hustle. Right. You know, yes. you have right. to get you. Yes. you know, you know, bring it on mm-hmm. and be ready for the challenge. I have a couple of uh, out-of-town things. I work with Michael Jeffrey Stevens, and, and he's now in Asheville. Used to be at Rhodes. Great pianist. Yeah, yeah. and um, he's got a lot of jazz projects, and I'm getting ready to go there and, and do a concert with him. We do salons here with Michael Jeffrey uh, when he comes through. So, you know, keep busy, wake up with purpose, uh, love your passion, and, and make it happen. You volunteer right. too, right? You still got oh. your show on WEVL. Oh, WEVL is my therapy. I've been with WEVL. <laughs> I mean, I go in there, I've got three shows. How long have you been doing that? Since 1980s, uh, maybe. Mm. It's wow. 1980s, uh, when they had LPs only. Huh. Right. LPs only, and they were on Madison and um, uh, Cleveland. Okay. We had to walk okay. up these stairs with 10 tons of LPs. <laughs> Couldn't wait to play them. Uh, and uh, and the, you can bring your own music from home. Right. And that's what right. always attracted me to WEVL. It's I'm, really the only radio oh, show I listen to. Oh, yes. man. It's, it's just... just um, it's the, it's an honor. Station. Yeah, I it's mean, a privilege to to have a station like that. It really yes. is. And, yeah, the, consistently, that's about the only abs- one I listen to. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. I've got three shows. Tuesday is like a sort of a, a potpourri of uh, a potpourri. What is it? Yeah, it's potpourri. A potpourri <laughs> of uh, all. I go from 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 James Brown to to Joni Mitchell and everything in between. It's more contemporary. But uh, Wednesday nights is in tribute to my dad, uh, songs for my father, and it's it's mm. strictly mainstream, swing, contemporary jazz. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sunday night, um, four to six, it's world third, uh, it's world music dance party. And uh, I don't understand any of the uh, languages, so I just say music from uh, China. You know, I say. <laughs> And then let it roll, you know. Yeah. It's just, but it's so free. It's just a free station that that um, uh, it's an honor to be a volunteer uh, because every volunteer pretty much knows what they're playing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, knows where it comes from. And, and it also represents the southern uh, region of music, and it also plays Memphis music, right. you know. So right. I, I'm just... Yeah, we'd I love to have them. Oh, yeah, I can't think of any other. Yeah, Judy, Judy uh, Pies, uh, Judy Dorsey, uh, and Brian, uh, Brian Craig are the um, masters of keeping that station going. Right. And I want them to receive, you know, honors. I want to see that yeah. because they have kept it going since the beginning. Wow. Great radio nonprofit, WEVL. 89.9 FM. (laughs) 
Great station. Joyce, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, hope you enjoyed that time with Joyce. We sure did. She was delightful, so gracious, and... Um, you can catch Joyce around town gigging. Uh, catch her gigging. Just look her up on social media. Every um, Sunday at Bosco's, I think. Yeah, still. that's been a long-standing yeah. gig for her. Brunch. Uh, in Overton Square. Delightful uh, Bosco's. Very yeah. nice. And she has a, a, a long-standing radio spot on, on Weevil, W-E-V-L, FM 90 Memphis. And her show entitled Voices. And that's every uh, Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. And every Wednesday night. From 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., she hosts Songs for My Father. And we'll be talking to WEVL station manager later on this season. That's right. <laughs>